Good morning, everyone, and welcome again this time to episode three of One Minds on Inspirational Conversations, the podcast that teaches you how to reach a balance of body and mind. Here, we inspire people with different experiences, and the stories of our guests will make you think and look to your life through a new perspective, less stressful and more positive. Hopefully, you all are safe and healthy, wherever you are. I'm your host, Yogile, and I'll be talking to Jen Black. We met with Jen in Berlin in 2014, and Berlin is apparently the place where I met most of the wonderful people I know in my life. By that time, Jen was active in the alternative and underground music scene in Berlin as an event organizer, DJ, designer, she had plenty of collaborations with music record labels and other artists. After years of an intense lifestyle that came together with being part of the music scene and nightlife, she flipped her story, made a decision and made her life turn around 180 degrees. She first joined the very known AA Anonymous Alcoholics Group and started to empower herself. Apart from the music scene, she is a creative director and designer for many international brands. She also established her own brand, Jen Black, where she's focusing on art prints and art products that examine society and encourage the audience to think critically. Most themes regard the female experience, the relationships, dark humor, and politics. She's also a founder of Art Bar, 100% natural vegan soaps with limited edition art prints. So I'm excited to finally open that Pandora box of Jen experiences. Good morning, Jen. How is it going? Good morning. Thanks for having me. And thank you for such a touching introduction. <laughs> thank you so much. And really kind. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to be part of this episode and um, following your sobriety journey since the beginning. And I am amazed about your changes and about all that energy you have in you. And I know that your story will be very inspiring to other people as we are going to talk about your journey to sobriety, minimalism, and the way you run your your healthy brand. And I just wanted to say that I'm very happy to see you here after so many years of not seeing each other. And, <laughs> and the time we saw us last time, you still haven't been on your sobriety mission. So what really moved you to take this action and how did it change you as personality? Um, well, I started um, getting sober in 2016. And by then I had already lived at least 20 years of a kind of punk rock lifestyle, the rock and roll lifestyle, alongside a professional career. So I was burning the candle at both ends, as they say. And as I was nearing uh, the age of 40 at the time, I realized that this wasn't going to be a long-term solution. <laughs> and um, basically, when you live, Berlin is a city that is full of decadence, beautiful, gorgeous decadence. And it's one of the reasons why I moved here. Um, and I love the fact that people are very free and they can, they can do what they want, essentially. And I, I definitely live that to the, to the highest point. But at one, at one point, you have to say to yourself, 
you know, what do I really want to be doing? And living a life in blackout or living a life in a hangover is really not living. Um, I was losing touch with my own standards, my, my own self-respect. And I felt it was important to finally make a change. And it was bumpy, like most sobriety stories, you know, you try and you, you fall off the horse and you try. But then by 2016, I really gave up drinking and smoking. And I started to deal with the reason why I was using those um, tools to survive. Because a bit of my history is that I have been diagnosed with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, which is not just for war veterans, but for also for people that had a lot of, for, for instance, childhood trauma in my case, or experienced a lot of emotions that they haven't been able to categorize yet. So through the help of therapy, um, some AA meetings and a lot of thinking, resting and kind of removing myself from that lifestyle, I was able to finally um, get through it. Not to say that that journey is over. I mean, it still lasts every day. And um, the, the decision had to be made was, what values do I have? How do I implement them into my life? And how would I do that if I feel terrible all the time? Well, physically and emotionally uh, as uh, from the effects of alcohol. So that was the decision that I made. Um, and. AA was like a, a small way for me to um, meet some other people that were getting sober. But to be honest, I haven't filled the 12 steps I, of that program. Um, I think everybody should get sober in their own way because the only thing you need to do is decide for yourself that that's the change you're gonna make. And no one can do it for you. Nobody can make you do it. It has to be entirely on your own. And then you can find whatever resources you need to get to that point. Um, and so I used a lot of therapy and internal um, development to really get through that. And meetings are really important to have the solidarity with other people, and I encourage them. But I don't. I would never tell someone that you're limited to just that. You know, there's many options. And what actually motivates you all this time to continue this challenge with yourself? Um, one thing I've learned, and some of this, if any of this sounds cheesy or cliche, forgive me, but <laughs> Every single day, uh, like being sober is a win for me. So, you know, you could even have a really terrible day or a bad incident, etc. But if you got through the day without drinking, then you've won, you know, um, and that's coming from an addictive behavior. And I'm speaking as an addict, as someone that has had to come to terms with the fact that I had an addiction to um, alcohol and substances, primarily alcohol. And, you know, I decided it will no longer control my life that I control my life. So um, every day brings more clarity. Every day brings more quality to my life. Um, less regrets, can't argue with that. Um, <laughs> and my life has more meaning. So even after four and a half years, I still see the benefits and like, why stop? You know, um, the two things that I gained the most that I would say keep me motivated is, and that I, I always keep in perspective is one, um, gratitude. You, you actually look around you in your life and you say, you know, I have a roof over my head. I have healthy food in my refrigerator. Um, I have good, uh, I've been working on having more quality relationships and being more honest with myself and other people. And that's, that's really all you need. Not a million euros, not, 
not um, a, a bunch of cars. You just need to be grateful for what you have. And I really am. Um, I'm grateful for Berlin, for my cute apartment, <laughs> for uh, the fact that I'm making art um, and you know my own history. Even the, even the dark parts of my history have taught me a lot. So that's helped me gain the self-respect to, to maintain um, a healthy life, really. Exactly. And how often your commitment gets tested? Uh, <laughs> well, again, addiction is addiction, right? So, I mean, and addiction can apply to alcohol, drugs, um, working, pornography, um, you know, too many, like, you know, collecting things. I mean, there's just so many ways that people deal with addiction or don't deal with it. Um, so I, I basically do deal with it all the time. When things get really hard in life, of course, you'd rather have a drink than have to deal with it or find a solution or talk to somebody uncomfortably or confront a situation. Yes, a glass of wine would be glorious, but it doesn't do anything. Um, and I have to sit back and you have to kind of have a little self-talk and be like what is that going to achieve you know what would that do for me absolutely nothing in fact it's going to make matters worse so um i had an incident like i i, I mentioned to you before like i was in a bio market in a, in a nice fancy supermarket and you're around all the gorgeous food and cheese and then there's the wine section and you smell it you kind of you know like your whole body wants to run to it because nothing would be more lovely than some wine and cheese But when you're an addict, you can't just have one glass of wine. Of course. You can't have just one bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And that's not enjoyment. That's not appreciating the wine. That is really, that's when your body is trying to do something deliberately to hurt itself. So, you know, you have to distinguish between having fun and self-harm. And I, I prefer to have fun, which these days is not alcohol related. <laughs> Exactly, because everyone has their own type of the fun, no? Yeah, and also, you know, what's I, I think my 20-year-old self would never agree with me saying this, but like, it is fun to get up in the morning and have a whole day ahead of you. <laughs> yeah. It is fun to like, be able to get stuff done, to, to have real conversations, genuine conversations with people. <laughs> yeah. That's, is wonderful. Um, and I appreciate that more. So I think that's where, when I'm tested, I have to remember there's more to this, you know, there's much more to the game. You know, for the last, like, uh, for the last maybe five, six years, I had a couple of times when I did this alcohol break. Yes. And so I tried time after time to do these breaks and I felt just amazing, first of all, because I realized how much energy you have and how everything is differently, when, especially when you do sports, you really yeah. realize that. But then I always had to deal with this problem that to socialize with other people, that was almost impossible. Yeah. Or to socialize with those people where I knew from like uh, my, my, my friends or my, I don't know, other people around me was just impossible because I could not spend with them more than, I don't know, half an hour or one hour <laughs> because, or I was getting bored or they were getting bored from me, you know? Yeah. And I, then, I, I know, yeah. And this is, and then at a point, that I was like just not going anywhere and being at home, and I don't know, and just like doing my own stuff. And, and of course, this is why these these breaks from 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 drinking alcohol was 
not didn't last for that long you know there was maybe a, <laughs> i did maximum maybe for a couple of months and uh, and of course then automatically i i got back to to daily routine and of of this having a glass of wine here having a beer here you know and stuff mm. but it's uh, it really shocks me that our society is built around the alcohol all the time absolutely and what's interesting is that more women statistically are drinking um, than ever before in history right because Culture has become like there's these these weird little cultured things like rosé all day or even for moms like mommy juice and it's become like you know like more women are becoming alcoholics than ever before and it's not empowering that's not yeah. being right exactly <laughs> that's dragging us down yeah um, and dumbing us down to a degree and I I totally understand when you say. Um, it's hard when you took your breaks because in the beginning, I actually, for the first six months of sobriety, I took a complete step back mm. because it was impossible for me to go out and be around people um, because I didn't know how to manage my own social anxiety. And I think that's what most of this is about is our social anxiety and our ability to talk to each other, uh, which most people don't feel comfortable doing without alcohol. And I, um, I can say for anyone that's interested that it does pass and that you can actually be around other people drinking. You can respect their choices in drinking or whatever. And there might be times where they are maybe getting out of hand as, as usual or whatever. And, but if you just remind yourself that you're in control of that situation, like you can remove yourself from that situation in most cases <laughs> unless you're stuck in a car or something but you have to <laughs> you can remove yourself from those situations and you can you can say i've had my fun the fun now is turned into something else and i'm not part of that something else so i'm gonna go now and you you just kind of dip in and out and then what's great is that you can balance it where you can still go out and socialize go to gigs when there's gigs you can yeah. go to gigs you can um hang out with friends um, and then you can go home and start a whole new day the next day without being uh, feeling awful or having any regrets. Um, you have no obligation to make anyone else feel comfortable with their drinking. Um, I think that's another social stigma too. You know, people feel awkward if you don't drink or you feel like you're being um, rude if yeah. you aren't drinking. Yeah. But that's not up to anyone but you. Yeah, because all of these, as you say, you might be, as people think, oh, are you rude if you're not drinking? This is all of the beliefs what yeah. we got through all our life, through mm -hmm. from the families, from through the friends, through everyone, from, from all of the society, what was around us all of these years, because this is what it is. Our society is based on the alcohol. So mm -hmm. I think what is important is just to change this, uh, to change these beliefs in our head and to just uh, reprogram ourselves newly somehow. And so to put this, or I, I, I still say already now that this is like old school beliefs already, what is based on the alcohol, because the new generation just should be like sober, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, younger generations are already complaining that they don't like alcohol and drugs. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Yeah. They've seen the long-term results of long-term um, substance abuse, and they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> exactly. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the thing is, is that we... Um, alcohol or drugs are just an immediate change of state, right? 
they're they change your state let's say you're having a bad day or you're coming home from work it'll it's just a um it just lets you change your state of mind very quickly mm. which is why i think a lot of people have used it all this time yeah. but really there are other ways to change your state you can you can take a nap you can take a walk you can do and those things sound boring but i mean there are other ways to change your state of mind and the way we learn them is through repetition i mean we're creatures of habit um drinking is a habit Right. And it can be unlearned the same way that you've learned it. Um, and then learning the new habits, it's awkward at first, I'll definitely say. But I take, I rest more now and I take naps when I want to. And maybe that's an aging thing as well. But I think that the, that new habit, um, new positive habits can replace the old ones. Of course. Yeah. And um, let's go a bit to the different to the different side of, of, of the topic. Um, when and how did you begin your journey towards minimalism? Did it have to do one with each other or something? Did it came together with your change? Yeah, it did actually. Um, funny enough, I had the audio book by the minimalists um, that I listened to maybe years before I became sober and, and started doing actual minimalism. And I thought, I found them so interesting because these two guys actually had their own histories with uh, substance abuse or family troubles or traumas. And here they were just like talking about this lifestyle stuff. And I didn't know whether or not to take it seriously. But over time, I revisited it and it really made sense. There was a time where I was actually breaking off from toxic family members. I was learning that I had to stop drinking. And I even looked around at my house and I said, I have all of this stuff that I don't need anymore. And to clarify, I always want to make sure that people understand that minimalism is not just about possessions. Mm -hmm. It's a really great place to start because you have to take inventory of what you, you need in life. And that could be everything from what's in your home to how, how much and how often you work and the way you work, how you manage your time, how you manage your finances, um, the relationships and people in your life and the quality of those people and, and how much time you can spend with them and give them and, and, re, and vice versa. So all of these things I looked at and it's, it's literally taking inventory of your life, which is also something you do when you're trying to um, get away from alcohol. Mm -hmm. So this did dovetail. And yeah, I looked at possessions, relationships, memories, experiences, emotions, and you really just need to put them you know, in a, in a timeline, in a storyline, and in a place that makes you realize what's going on. So you need this clarity. And what I decided to do back then is that I wanted to live with intention. Mm -hmm. And that means um, analyzing your behaviors, um, all the things you bring into your life, whether they be physical or emotional or, um, you know, work-wise, project-wise, um, and then like trying to align them with your values. So I had a lot of in, out, interesting outcomes about this, some of which I didn't expect. Um, I basically was um, reconnected with my feminism and my belief in women and my understanding of how you know, we have to be treated or how we should treat ourselves in society and not at the exclusion or the belittlement of men, but uh, for actually sticking up for ourselves. And you know, part of the reasons I think you know, I was drinking was because I was constantly being put into inferior positions and accepting them. Yeah. That's not something that I want to do anymore or that I want any other woman in my life to do anymore. Mm. So you, you almost say, you know, am I a good example 
for other women? Am I a good example for my friends even? Um, and you say, well, I'd rather lead by example with this. So I don't impose um, minimalism on anyone. I do talk about it a lot because I do believe in it. But um, I think, you know, and it's minimalism is a different thing for every single person. It doesn't mean you have to get rid of all your books or records, mm -hmm. even though I have, uh, or I've digitized them. It doesn't mean you have to get rid of all the people in your life or all your possessions. Um, that is what people should understand. As, uh, it's actually a, another movement called Spartanism. Okay. And that's like have nothing and you live out of a backpack. And, and there are people that successfully do yes, this. Yes, I, I mean, read about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's the tiny house movement. There's all these different things that are people like giving up traditional ways of living to live a life with less. And I don't care how anyone does it, but as long as you realize that you don't need all these things that society tells you you need, um, uh, you just need what you, you want in life. And that even goes to women, you know, women have like um, problems where society tells them they have to have children or they have to have a man or a marriage or a, or a relationship to feel validated. Yeah. That's not true. You know, um, and that's a part of minimalism as well, is understanding, hey, actually, I'm going to do what I decide. So I found that really um, empowering. And what specific steps have you taken from the beginning on? It started with the possessions. It really started with me looking around and saying, what do I need? What do I not need? And I am- the physical I, stuff around, right? Okay. Physical stuff. And I am a reader and I love music. So I had a lot of records, I had a lot of books, and I, my heart still loves those things, but right. I digitized, digitized my book and music collections, and I still stream music, etc. I still find ways to enjoy all of the things I enjoy. What have you done with your books? The books I've actually either sold or donated or gifted. Okay. Um, which also, my, my philosophy around books is different now, because I love them and I do love the physical books, but... Books, for instance, have been written by people or there's art by people. They shouldn't be sitting on a, on a shelf in my house. Mm. I think books should be out in the world. Mm. You know, like they, especially these days, people need to read more. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, you know, even if I buy a book now, I'll read it and then I'll give it to someone because what good is it going to do in here? You know, I'd rather somebody else got the same juice from it than I did and mm -hmm. can think because they read it i mean i think that's why books are there not to decorate our homes yeah um, and you still want to support writers and artists and, and musicians by buying their work and i still do that but i usually do it digitally now or okay. i read digitally, or i buy books and then i get them and it's looking at those things and saying do i need them here i mean even photographs i scanned all of my physical photographs and i archived them and i, I built folders And now I know where everything is. And I'll probably even look at them more now that I have them all in one place than sitting in a box somewhere that I didn't even know they were there for 10 years. So um, there are ways around it. And it was hard. You almost had to approach each thing emotionally. Yeah. Um, there's some old artwork that I had to either um, sell, give, or throw away. You know, you have to, they were sitting in corners of my life, just like my emotions were sitting in corners of my brain. Yeah. In, in tidy, like in boxes that needed to be open. And so I think it's better to have an honesty with yourself where you're actually saying, okay, this is, I, I want to know where everything is. I don't want to bury anything anymore. Um, 
So yeah, so it's taking assessments on on um, the people that people that do you harm or toxic people, toxic behaviors that you tolerated before that I suddenly realized that I was not going to make room for for myself or from others. Um, building a work-life balance, you know, um, actually realizing okay, because I am guilty of workaholism as well. Okay. And to kind of make sure that I get rests and breaks in order to be more creative or even more successful on my freelance projects, etc. And uh, again, yeah, it's just looking at every single thing that you take into your life from a new project to a meeting to, um, you know, which cafes you're going to and saying which of these things add value and which so, can I get rid of, <laughs> you know? So as I now understand, actually, so minimalism is actually even wider than I thought. So it's more, more about being more organized in everything. Because yeah. for me, that sounds completely like super being organized, super aware. It's a, yeah. it's a method of awareness. Yeah, yeah. Being organized, I mean, I guess now that I live in Germany and I've recently become German, it's just a fun thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like being organized because it lets me take, it's a control thing, which you can look at in a positive or a negative light, where I like to have control over my finances, over my time, over um, how I, you know, what time I spend working and, and uh, resting or um, entertainment, etc. Right. So I love that clarity, you know, mm. I love that's brought in and it's, it is really wide. It's a philosophy more than yeah. it is. Some people think of Marie Kondo, who is really cool, by the way, she's done her, you know, KonMari method. And it is really, I now fold my shirts differently. Thanks to her. You know, I, I, I can, she's very good at helping you organize. Okay. Um, and clean, etc. But, and you can spark joy or not. But minimalism is more of a way of thinking about um, really how do I um, approach charity? How do I, what kind of um, long-term plans do I have for myself without hurting the environment, for instance? Um, I, you know, wardrobe wise, I've always worn black, as you know, and I always will. But I have now what is called the capsule wardrobe, wardrobe which is only wearing the things that you feel comfortable in and that you like and that make you feel good when you wear them, right? Yeah. I will only, I have a one in one out policy. So if I buy a new sweater, I either sell or donate another sweater. Oh my God, and I so have I, to adapt this to myself <laughs> for sure. things hanging in my closet now when there used to be a hundred. And but of course I have a lot of like t-shirts and they're all the same, but, and they don't have to be, I'm not mm. saying they do, but I like what I wear now. I feel really comfortable in this. Yeah. So I will um, wear something until it's worn out um, and then I can replace it. So you still buy things, you replace yeah. things and, and things, but you also make sure that you remove things as well. And what was the last thing you got rid of? <laughs> it's a good question. Because it's probably really boring, like the sweater. <laughs> um, but like I said, there's a one-in-one-out policy in my house. I, I love boots. I love really good boots, really comfortable uh -huh. boots. But, and I used to almost collect them. I had like 15 pairs. But, you know, like I, I sell the ones that I'm not wearing anymore. And, you know, I buy a, a quality pair of boots that I will last a long time, like years. You know, I invest in, in more quality things. So um, 
It's hard to say. I, I mean, I've scanned and, and digitized everything. So it's, I don't have much to get rid of mm-hmm. in terms of physical stuff. What I focus on now is what I can get rid of on a more abstract basis. Um, I'm still working on myself in therapy. And what I need to get rid of is negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what I have to get rid of is negative self-talk, which I've learned over years and years and that I still have. Yeah. Um, I need to get rid of bad patterns. <laughs> yeah. um, these are the things that I'm analyzing every day and I'm learning through repetition. And I if get- you catch yourself talking bad of yourself or of other people, which is contagious, yeah. right? Yeah. Then you can say, oops, I've got to think of it. I got to turn this around. And the more you do it, the more it becomes part of your life. I can say that actually for me, now when I, when I hear all of this, I see that meditation or maybe yoga practice is also part of the minimalism <laughs> or like yeah. part of, the, of this whole getting rid of these old patterns, getting rid of the old bad behaviors, you know, and exchanging it with a new, more clear, more aware, more, you know, more simple, just like, and learning being with yourself the way you are. You're completely right. Like what you said, like meditation works. I mean, everybody does it in their own way. I'm not very good, but I try it. I call it naps. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mindfulness comes in quite a bit. Well, this once comes together with each other. Yeah. You have to stop. Like you literally have to stop and catch yourself and breathe and take even a moment's distance from whatever it is that you think over overthinking. And that is definitely part of minimalism. Um, so it turns into a philosophy, really, a lifestyle, more than just a, like, here's how to fold your t-shirts. <laughs> or <laughs> <think about> it. <laughs> and um, so to sum up, to sum up about the minimalism, what you would mm-hmm. say, what is the greatest benefit for you of it? There's too many. It's weird. It's hard to say. I joke, I'm always like, can we talk about our Lord and Savior minimalism? You know, (laughs) um, clarity. Okay. I have so much more clarity. It's helped with my sobriety. It's helped me um, see and categorize what I want um, now and hopefully in the future. It's giving me mobility. Like, for instance, I I have no intention of leaving Berlin or my apartment. I love it here. But I feel that I'm not encumbered by things. And if I needed to, say, leave for a month or six months and whatever, I could. And I wouldn't have to take much with me. And, you know, the rest would fall into place. I feel mobile and I I feel agile. Um, I think a lot of us are prisoners of our possessions. or The the fact that we think we need more possessions or more, I don't know, um, accolades in life than we actually do. Um, so I like knowing where everything is. <laughs> I like knowing where I stand and it's hard work. The real hard work is knowing that you can't hide secrets from yourself. You have to get rid of denial. You have to, you have to emotionally declutter and you have to live more honestly. Um, and that's, and it's not easy actually, but it, the benefits are, are really, um, important and valuable it's also uh, so interesting to see that we all are so 
connected with every materialistic things we have around. And yeah. sometimes if you do like the big cleaning of the, of the house and then time after time I do this thing and I say, okay, I will get rid of everything around because I cannot <laughs> stand. I feel like it's everything too heavy on me, you know? Yeah. And then it's so weird. Then you start like just selecting things and I just usually I look at it and I think, will I use it or not? Yeah. And it's so hard to just throw it away, even though there is something not important at all, you know? But you know what you can do? I mean, it's a, again, it's a little self-talk where you say, okay, you don't want to throw something away. Sometimes the things are really good value and it's just not good or good for the environment to throw them away. So you can tell yourself, who would appreciate this more? Is there someone I know that would appreciate or need this thing? Is there someone where I can donate it to? It's like the books. It's like someone else will get value from this. I should give it to them. And I enjoy that. I like giving things or um, sharing things, etc. because it's we don't really own anything yeah you know we leave this world with with nada (laughs) um i like having just the things i need i need my computer and i need my desk and i need my bed and i need a couple pieces of furniture and i'm fine um i'm really grateful to have a nice apartment but i don't need a big house yeah or, or a lot of things in a house which people really think they need yeah and i can't imagine anymore um, I think it was causing me to be depressed thinking that I, that like you, there's all these things you need, but you can't have them. And that's such a weird way of thinking when you, when you really look at it. You know. And how minimalism influences your brand and how did you get started? Well, it was about two years ago. Again, and I've always been freelancing and working for big brands, but again, that that also entails working a lot of hours. So I've always had it in my dreams to start my own brand or to work for myself more independently so that I can manage my time better. Again, it works better with minimalism as well. And um, two years ago, I started my own Jen Black brand, which is primarily making art and selling prints. And the prints... um, I either do limited editions or I do print on demand art prints, which means that you don't have to clutter the world by printing thousands of prints. They are printed as someone um, purchases them, you know, which again is better for the environment and and for space. Um, So that was, that was one way of approaching it. And then this, I, I, I was still thinking, how can I maybe make or sell a product that wouldn't clutter somebody's life or home and wouldn't be unnecessary and wouldn't be bad for the environment because you know you got to think about anybody making a new business right now you have to think well how would i package this how would i um how would it what would its shelf life be like what would happen after it wasn't used or used and um it was hard it took me a long time to come up with it but i've always had a passion and kind of a love for soap Um, and natural soap, not supermarket commercial soaps, but like the stuff that is really good for your skin, that uses natural ingredients, that is completely organic. And um, it's not that easy to find, even though luckily there are a lot of people making it um, in Berlin and elsewhere. Um, but I wanted to do that. And then I thought, well, how would I combine that with art? And that's kind of a weird pairing. But then I thought about um, how some people that when they even like my work, they say, you know, I don't have enough wall space for Mm big prints that you have. And then I thought, well, how could I do kind of like a minimalist art piece that's collectible, 
doesn't cost um, the collector much and is easy to obtain. And then I thought about art bar, which um, art bar is a term we used in New York for like cool artsy bars. We called them art bars. I mean, I guess every bar in Quartzburg is an art bar, but that was a play on words I thought I would use for the brand. And I thought, okay, I'm going to find a way to combine good natural soap and art. And it took a lot of prototyping and finessing and, and finding the right um, people to make the soap and to make it in a way that would also reach safe EU standards and to also not use palm oil and to be vegan. Um, and I did, I work with these fabulous um, soap makers in Turkey that I curate the soaps with in terms of designing the scents and, and um, what the entire brand would be and how they work together. Um, and then I, right now I'm doing the artwork myself um, for, for the eight bars that I have. But new news, great new news, is that I've also um, got two new female artists working with me. So in the next batch of soap that is made, I'll also have the work of other women artists. Um, so the long-term plan for this is not just to get my artwork out there, um, but also to support female artists. I would like to expand this over time because there are certain statistics that I basically cannot live with. Um, 51% of the world's artists are women, but unfortunately the gallery and museum systems are not very kind to us or our work. So um, only 2% of the art market, of, of the artwork sold is women's art. And I've decided that's a no-go and I'd really like to find alternative ways to get our artwork out there. And why not sell it with soap or products or find different ways of us sharing the work, building community around it ourselves so that it can, you know, to get the right exposure. So I'm planning on that longer term. Um, and the minimalism comes into the soap aspect because soap goes away as you use it. <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> it is a necessity, it's, it's, a, it's a necessity. And I also find it self-care to be a necessity. And as we know, like self-care isn't just getting a pedicure, it's also the daily respect and maintenance for your body. And in this case, it's for your skin. And when you use natural ingredients, my soaps have really lovely moisturizing um, effects where people say that they don't even need to use moisturizer afterwards or shaving cream because the lathering is so good and there's lots of vitamins in it that are really good for your skin. And in some cases, your hair as well. So that makes me feel good because I'm promoting self-care in, in its own way. So it's a double-edged sword in a positive way. It's super beautiful idea. Wow, I'm, 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 I'm super amazed because it's, I haven't seen this combination before, like the so bars and the, and the art drinks. And I think this is very unique, you know? Yeah. So you are probably the very first one to do like this. I, I do, and I, I, I will be soon trademarking it and I, I maybe it'll take off, you know? But um, I've even thinking of things like art jars and other ways to use, find things to use art and products and physical things, the everyday things for your home or life that can also include art. Because I think art should be every day. Why do you have exactly. to like go to a gallery? You know, why do you have to spend thousands and thousands on, on things? That doesn't mean the, the artists don't deserve that. They do. I, it's just a matter of um, making it accessible. You know? And what is your favorite fragrance or essential oil? 
because I, I realize I think that once you decide to to be related with a with a handmade soaps, I guess mm -hmm. you should be liking the all of these all of the essential oils and uh, stuff, no? I'm a little bit obsessed, actually. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know. <laughs> another new positive addiction. I was even looking into um, studying perfumery because, you know, there's ways, there's just so many beautiful, delicate ways to learn about scents and combining them. Um, I'm even, for instance, working with a wonderful candle maker. Um, I'm, I'm actually of another female artist collaboration with Lit Lab Berlin, um, where I got to design the scents um, for certain candles. And I, wow. I know some Super yeah, cool. oh, it's heavenly. It's just heavenly. Um, but right now I have eight soaps and they're all very different, but I, I'm really careful about going too fruity or too um, youthful, mm -hmm. like lush that have very kind of like almost cheap and cheesy scents. Yeah. I wanted my soaps to have a more atmospheric and um, kind of moody uh, scent. So between the eight of them, I have things like uh, black seed, which is like human seed or nettle, which is um, nettle leaf. My favorite right now is black clove, which is cinnamon and orange. And it's, it's just, it, it smells like autumn. You know, it's, it's definitely like, it's a lovely wintry soap. Um, and it's really relaxing and it's really good for your skin. Um, and it's using nothing but natural um, cinnamon and orange peel and, and, you know, just the general agents that you have in soaps. So that one's my favorite. And, and the other thing, it's important that all of the fragrances work for both men and women. They're unisex. Um, there's, there's no plastic in any of the packaging. It's all entirely recycled and recyclable. And um, they're long lasting. So it's not like the fragrances that you smell for a second and then all of a sudden they disappear. Yeah. It's, there's like an aromatherapy element to all of it. Um, and so I guess I will also probably by summer have a summer scent. I might work in a more citrus, lemon, or bergamot type uh, arena. But um, right now the wintry soaps are quite nice. <laughs> you know, you have to treat yourself. I want to buy them all. <laughs> yeah, you you would you, you kind of want it. Some people have told me they want to eat them, which I can't encourage. You can't eat. <laughs> it does smell like you can. <laughs> Um, what is your great motivation to continue leading your brand to success? Well, it's still new, right? Like I only started a couple months ago, but I'm really enjoying the fact that people are interested or curious about the idea. And, you know, I think, like I said, with self-care, like everything, it's, it's really about your daily routines and how you take care of yourself. So in a way it's like healthy soap, healthy life. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, putting out products that are good for people and good for the environment. Um, for me, that's the change I think we need and it feels good to take part in that. And I'm, I'm there's so many great brands, so many great female um, businesses doing this now. It's really cool. Um, and right now what I'm really excited about is the fact that I found a way to get my own work out into the world, um, very, you know, making it accessible and that I'll also have a platform for female artists you know we, all of us will have our own careers and ways of getting our work out or showing our work but it'd be nice to have this one little space where we can um, do these prints and each time a print run of 100 bars and 100 prints um, sells out then there'll be a new print design so it'll on, always be refreshing renewing 
there'll always be room for more people to get involved. And that's really exciting for me. I'd like to see that keep going. Oh my God. I want to see that going as well. Wow. Yeah, it, it should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is there any advice you would give to people wanting to give up alcohol for good? <sighs> yes. Um, first of all, do it. You won't regret it. <laughs> But again, every person has to um, do it for themselves. It's a decision only you can make. And even though you might want to give up alcohol to help people around you, that's a very good reason. But you have to want to do it for yourself. Um, it's important that people know that they're not alone. You are just not alone. Everybody deals with addiction in one way in their life, whether it be alcohol or otherwise. And it's important that people know that um, th there's another world out there that you can have. I found another whole world in decadent Berlin. You know, daytime Berlin is another planet and it's still a great one. Um, you have options. I think alcohol feels like a prison, especially when you've incorporated into your lifestyle and your social life and your family life so heavily, you feel like there's no way out or no alternative, but there definitely is. Um, there's by doing this you will be leading by example for other people around you and without even trying it's like a ripple effect you are helping the people around you even the other addicts by helping them see that it does work and that in itself is quite gratifying but one thing i tell even younger people drinking i said if you want to be punk rock get sober yeah. <laughs> like if you really want to know what an alternative lifestyle is like <laughs> The real fucking punk rock. Um, and I, I even made t-shirts that say punk's not drunk because, you know, it's almost mainstream and boring and it's yeah. not frightening or saving anybody to be drinking. There's nothing, um, there's nothing revolutionary by being an alcoholic. If you really want to be different, face your demons, um, give up substances and, you know, really like prove to yourself that like that prison, that, that, capitalist societal prison that we live in isn't for you yeah and it's more like that's an angry rant my girl girl rant <laughs> it's more like also don't be scared to challenge yourself you know it's about uh, for me it's always been about the the biggest motivation is always being challenging yourself and being disciplined very disciplined it's like Every day is a test. How strong you are? How can you? And this is like super exciting because it's like you can you can think, oh, I have my, for example, I have my like uh, yoga challenges and I'm doing every day and I want to do it like maybe for one month and two months, completely very strict. And then I always every day maybe I wake up from the bed and then I don't want to go to do yoga, but then I do and I'm feeling happy and then I'm feeling stronger and I'm thinking, oh, this challenge really is exciting. It's like a kind of a game, you know, becoming and. It's not boring. That's, you know what? Because you're doing it, you're learning it through repetition. Yeah. And that's how you're forming a new habit. And, and it's like, after a while, you don't even really realize it anymore. Yeah. You know, like you're doing it all the time and you're doing things and you don't realize, but you're doing things that a lot of people can't do. <laughs> yeah. Glennon Doyle, that Glennon Doyle quote is always um, good for, for everyone. It's, it says, um, we can do hard things, you know? 
we can like for some reason we tell ourselves that we can't do this or that or that it's for someone else to do but like we can do hard things um and we've held ourselves back i think a lot we hold ourselves back with societal pressures with with substances um with negative self-talk i mean it's almost like we're against evolution yeah, and you also know, many fears as well I yes guess. those fears keep us from evolving as people and as like individuals but also like as a culture you know we're just constantly living in fear and then where do you go from that nowhere yeah but how would could people then overcome those fears in in order to change that's a good question i think that like people i i myself included i'm still working on this you need to have a little compassion for yourself because mm -hmm. not everything is black and white and yeah you're gonna you're gonna mess up you're gonna mess up maybe a couple times um before you get things right or the way you need them to be but um you if you understand that like you know you're the architect of your life you know you're in charge and nobody else even if they're close to you can do these things for you um it will get easier over time even if you're messing up even if you try to you know um if you relapse on abuse substance abuse and things like this just get up and do it again and you know you have to take the approach of say like where does this add value to my life is this hangover adding value is this thing adding value um and if you make space for the the things and the people and, and the experiences uh, that matter then everything else can fall away you know um so i i think it's i think people need to know that it's worth it yeah. to overcome their fears because otherwise it's just very easy to sit and 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 gloat in the same patterns and the same uh, behaviors um, and i understand what that's like because i've been there and i totally feel compassion for others and, and empathy with them because i know how hard it is um, and i i'm out on the other side after four and a half years but no one's done i'm far from done yeah. <laughs> there will always be work to do um but i i couldn't have gotten this far if i hadn't started so if somebody's looking to start either with sobriety or minimalism or even just overcoming fears, I think just baby steps, one step and, and it's unbelievable how far you get. And people also should know that there is plenty of helps around, like there yeah. are plenty of the therapies, different therapies and uh, different groups where you can speak, where you can meet other uh, people, where you can share your experiences. There are many of the mindfulness practices, meditations, types of the mm -hmm. techniques to, to work out all of these problems and all of these fears. And we are not just left alone fighting on our own. We also having a lot of tools to, yeah. to help us out. You are the architect of your life. I mean, that's really important to remember. And there's lots of tools. There's, there's lots of people in the world, not yeah. just the ones around you, but there's alternatives. You know, exactly. they're and even now there's studies even about what food you take is going to affect your behaviors, you know, and your, your body is your mind and your emotions, but also like everything physically working interconnectedly and all of these things come together. So if you start just with one thing, you know, some people go vegan, 
and they start there. They stop smoking and they start there. Yeah. They get new friends and they start there. It, it, just one thing. And then the other stuff kind of comes, you know? And that's where I know I sound cliche. And I know that it's very eat, pray, love. But it really, it, it, you know, like if you start taking care of yourself, like better things start to happen. Um, and we've, had, we've all had a pretty challenging year. Yeah. Um, not a lot of great things happened in this, this year. But I'm still hopeful that it's coming, you know? Maybe this pause that was forced on us is something that is teaching us um, rather than punishing us, you know? Yeah, yeah, because we have plenty of time to to select what actually is good for us what and what is actually bad for us. And of course, this is also the time when many people maybe just really getting drowned in the alcohol because they're having depressed. But I think we have so much time that there is plenty of time to get drowned and to stand up, go back and to maybe really make the decisions and change your, change your life, you know? Yeah, I think people are actually having a lot of more introversion and introspection. Yeah. And it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable and it's okay. Like it's okay to get out of your comfort zone for a minute and say, oh, right, okay, this, I didn't know how bad things were mm. or how much I could change. And, and I think it's hard, but good, you know? Oh, Jen, this was such an amazing talk. <laughs> yeah. Got kind of heavy there. I hope it's, <laughs> I hope it's <laughs> just time flew, just like, phew. <laughs> Oh, right yeah okay right. we did one hour and like super super uh i didn't even realize how it happened oh, uh, but i think these questions were really good it's really good to talk about these things so i'm, I'm yes, really impressed <laughs> because i knew already many people who who were looking forward for this podcast as well and because they felt somehow related to these topics and they just needed some inspiration uh, oh. and some someone else's experiences to maybe make some decisions for themselves. So. Yeah, that's important. And I'm one of many, there's many of us. So no, there's more a we talk more, more better. I think more we talk, more people actually hear us and more people uh, think about stuff. I agree. We all have to share our stories and it takes courage, but it's there. You know? It's there. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you. Thank um, you for this morning breakfast coffee podcast. <laughs> it's been early morning. <laughs> it's going to be a productive day. <laughs> yes. It's only 1030. <laughs> it's only 10.30. Thank so you welcome. so much. Thank you. And um, have a wonderful day. You too. Stay safe. Bye. Bye-bye.